Hi there. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm happy to be here with you today as we dig into talking about affliction. But before we do that, I wanted to let you know that I will soon have another book coming out. It's called Woman Let Go release the grip of unforgiveness. I'm so excited about it. Forgiveness is, it's not just a huge theme <laughs> in the world. It, it should be, it should be a pattern of living for our life. And we have that example through Jesus Christ. I mean, his entire life and the core of his ministry, his life, his death, his very death was about and is about forgiveness. So uh, I'm excited about that. It's book number two in the Woman Inspired book series. You will be able to find it for sure on Amazon and you can order a paperback or download it in Kindle. In fact, you can pre-order it right now. So if you go out to Amazon, you can just search for me, Karen McCracken and Woman Let Go. All right. I appreciate it. The book release date, though, is April 10th, and you can keep track of that by going to womaninspired.com. That's my website. When it comes out, I'll have all the info out there on how to order it and, you know, all the great details. You can also follow me on social media, and my links are there on the website, womaninspired.com. All right. Now, let's kick off this episode with some pod quotes. Ready, set, quote. Those who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. <clears throat> okay, let me say that again. It would have sounded better the first time, but we'll try again. Those who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. Charles Spurgeon said that. And here's one by Ellen G. White. God is a friend to perplexity and affliction, a protector in distress, a preserver in a thousand dangers unseen to us. I love that. You you know God is always working on our behalf, even when we can't see it. All right. The other day, I was waiting in line at a restaurant to pick up a to-go order for a friend when I heard one of the restaurant workers behind the line say she was so tired of her affliction. She kept referring to an affliction she had, and I just kind of looked her up and down as politely as I could from the corner of my eye, thinking... It must surely be some sort of affliction that you can't see. Maybe she has an emotional or mental condition that causes her pain or distress. And I didn't see a visible physical pain or stressor like a, a cast or, or, you know, a big scar on her face or an, an injury with her head wrapped in something. You know, the, the typical things when you think of affliction or, you know, when I think of affliction biblically, I kind of think of the, the thorn in Paul's side. So I was looking for some sort of thorn, I guess. And then I realized, well, not all thorns are visible. Not all afflictions are visible. So I felt bad for her. And I said a little prayer for her as I was waiting there in line. And by the way, it's never bad to pray for other people, even if you don't know them and you don't really know what their affliction is or what's going on with them. God knows who they are and what's going on with them. And your prayer doesn't have to be a 15 minute King James translation of a prayer while you're down on your knees in the middle of a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> you can pray right where you are. Prayer is just basically at the very core, a dialogue between you and God. You, the child of God, the believer, the seeker, the sinner, the saint, you're beseeching on someone else's behalf of your own for 
something that you feel is needed or desired. You're asking of him. That's what beseeching means is, is actually means asking him, begging of our creator, our Holy one. Again, either on your behalf or someone else's. And sometimes that's all what is what constitutes prayer. That's all sometimes, but other times prayer is longer, deeper, quieter, sometimes louder, and it can be filled with shouts of praise, tears, joy, laughter, sadness, hurt, but it, it should also frequently, regularly be filled with quiet, quiet, silent time and space for you to not just ask God for things, but to listen and to be moved. So as I was standing there <laughs> in the line in the restaurant, I was not jumping, shouting, crying, sackcloth and ashes begging I was just quietly within myself towards God asking him to help this this woman and I say woman but girl she was probably a teenager um so on this particular day I said a quick prayer quietly to God on behalf of this poor girl who had some sort of great affliction that apparently as the conversation soon revealed caused her to be late to work frequently um, and not to be able to get a manicure and pedicure, uh, every week, like she wanted to, it also made it impossible for her to get her, uh, hair colored at the salon she wanted because that, uh, hair coloring was $95. Um, it was impossible apparently for her to concentrate on the food orders because she was so afflicted. Um, you know, so as she ignored the stack of tickets in front of her and told the other employee, she'd have to wait for her to cook more chicken. She stood in one place instead of cooking the chicken. Um, she just stood there with her arms crossed, talking louder and louder about this great affliction she had. Uh, and those were her words, this great affliction. And she went on to describe this particular affliction as quote unquote, horribly afflicted with a lower wage than the average weekly person has. My paycheck is horribly small. <clears throat> yeah, she said her greatest affliction ever in her entire life, which was, again, probably 16, 17 years, was not getting paid what she was worth. And apparently her job, as she let everyone know, only pays her $14.50 an hour. And um, she works 20 hours a week and she felt she was worth 18 to $20 an hour at least. She was probably 16 or 17, as I said, working at a fast food Mexican restaurant. And she said it was her first job, but she felt persecuted and under great affliction. Now, where she heard the word affliction, I haven't the foggiest idea, but she said it frequently. And she apparently doesn't know the true definition of the word affliction. She probably heard some influencer on social media use it and apply it the wrong way as she was pretty much copying the same sentiment I've seen in lots of social media posts as of late. So however she heard it, probably it was not used correctly. So it's not completely her fault, but I don't doubt she felt undervalued on her job. I, th I think that she must have, or she wouldn't have been saying those things. From my estimation, if that day's performance though was any indication of past and future work, performance while on her job. She didn't deserve the $14.50 an hour she was making, but hey, maybe she was just having a bad day. It happens. Her rant, though, it sparked irritation in me <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, though I've heard many people as of late, again, like I said, talk about their big afflictions in life, 
as they relate affliction back to usually some sort of financial stress or something they feel deprived of in a worldly manner. Maybe the fact that they feel they can't go out and buy whatever they want to or go on vacation to a nice resort or on a cruise. <clears throat> they relate being afflicted to personal drama like that or boyfriend-girlfriend drama. They feel afflicted maybe because someone doesn't like them or because they don't have the kind of boyfriend they want who treats them to a high-scale dining and gifts them with diamonds. Or they feel afflicted because the manicure and pedicure they went and paid someone to give them didn't turn out quite as nice as it should have for the money they paid. Now, I even heard a woman in the department store a few weeks ago, and this is a woman who was more more than likely in her 40s and she was talking about how she was afflicted again there's that word afflicted and put on uh went on and on excuse me went on and on about it because she she paid 75 dollars to have her hair done and uh, to quote her it turned out like her five-year-old had cut it now that of course made me want to take a peek and see what her hair looked like <laughs> so i did i purposely walked right by her, like around the the end cap at the store, down the aisle where she was, because you could hear her in more than one aisle. And so I walked over to see what it was all about. I purposely walked right by her to just kind of glance at what kind of haircut her five-year-old would give. And I just have to say that if her five-year-old gives haircuts like that, he ought to put a shingle out and set himself up a business because it looked pretty good to me. Now, I realize that cultural terms and definitions of some words people use today is not the same as they used to be. I've talked about this before in other podcast episodes. We've gone through various times and eras when cultural slang overrides actual definitions of words or changes them for a time period. It shouldn't, but it does. We may not like it, but that's the way it is in almost every culture across the globe. And in U.S. history, as an example, saying something was bad used to mean it wasn't a good thing. Then it meant it was the coolest thing ever. And now, if you say something's bad, it's not good. Uh, again, it's back to the original meaning. So if you said something to the effect of, um, are you down with it? 50 years ago, no one would have any idea what you're talking about. They'd be looking at the ground. Um, if you told someone in 1970 that you were being dissed by your homies, they'd have no idea what in the world that meant. And and no one even 10 years ago would have had any idea what it meant to be doxxed. So again, terminology and use of words changes. However, there are some words whose definitions have stood the test of time and many words that shouldn't be messed with, in my personal opinion, affliction is one of those words. So I'm going to dig into it. And you'll see the reason why in a moment. But according to Merriam Webster, the definition of affliction is a cause of persistent pain or distress and or great suffering. Affliction describes the state of being pained or distressed by oppressors in the Hebrew language. Um, and, and, and as many as 11 different words can be translated as affliction from the Hebrew in the Old Testament. So now we're going to deal specifically with affliction as it's described in the New Testament, which is is primarily the Hebrew translated into Greek. But the Hebrew word for affliction and its various forms is talked about in 28 different books of the Old Testament and in at least 78 different passages in those chapters. In the New Testament, there are three different Greek words, three different Greek words used for affliction. However, 
those words have deeper meanings besides affliction because they also mean oppression, mistreatment, and misfortune. But they're also synonymous with, perk your ears up, suffering. And the word suffering is used interchangeably in the New Testament with the word affliction. Okay, so, so again, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary, here we go. The New Testament, uh, the sources of affliction listed there and talked about in the New Testament are natural human conditions. In other words, humanity has certain things that they, they become afflicted with. Sicknesses, illnesses, various things, financial problems, normal human affliction. Um, persecution because of faithfulness to Christ. Uh, discipline for the purpose of maturing the Christian faith. In other words, God might have his hand on you, disciplining you, guiding you, molding you, shaping you. And affliction could be the result of personal sin. So there are examples of all of those in more than one place in the New Testament. So affliction has a beginning, a middle, and an end to it. Affliction has purposes and reasons for it, whether we like it or not. Have you ever heard of someone just go on and on and on about their problems? As if they're defeated and they have no idea where to turn for help. And perhaps they're just looking for attention, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they really feel as if their problems are greater than anyone else's. And have you ever witnessed someone so beaten down, so sad, in pain, crying, and you felt helpless to do anything for them? I mean, you knew they were truly afflicted with something and you were afraid for them, but you didn't know how to help them. I've been there. Sometimes the reality is that we can't do anything to help the afflicted in in a, any type of big way, any type of way that we as humans feel like, oh, okay, I was able to help. Sometimes we don't have the cure for what mentally or emotionally ails someone else. Sometimes we don't have the right words or the soothing balm to make their feelings hurt less. And sometimes we see people who are afflicted with physical ailments that we can't heal. We, have, we don't have those healing capabilities and there isn't anything we can do. We feel helpless in their affliction. I mean, it's their affliction, but it can make us feel helpless because we care and we want to help. And maybe more so than they feel afflicted. We feel afflicted by it. That happens too. In all of those are instances that are also seen in various places in the New Testament. In James 1, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, Galatians, all of these things, like the Holman Bible Dictionary talked about, that are at the crux of affliction, the natural conditions of humanity, the persecution because of faithfulness to Christ, discipline for the purpose of maturing us in the Christian faith, and the result of personal sin. All these things are there. And, and still, if you think about it, unless the affliction is something that is happening to you, in all of those instances, there's a good probability that there isn't anything you can do about it for someone else. Now, this girl at the restaurant, in my opinion, needed a reality check. Perhaps her bank account was getting small and it was bothering her. But I can't look at her and tell her that she was enduring a normal human condition. Or I, I couldn't tell if perhaps um, she was going through her own 
bit of personal problems because she was sinning and outside the will of God, or perhaps because God was trying to mature her or mold and shape her. I, I can't look at her and tell. It might be a combination of all those things. And truthfully, it may be that she was actually not afflicted with anything whatsoever. Remember that affliction is defined as persistent stress and great suffering, biblically speaking. You know, usually, usually infliction, uh, infliction, an affliction is inflicted by an oppressor of some sort, such as, I don't know, the Israelites being enslaved, the Jewish people being persecuted, Jesus being arrested, stoned and hung on a cross, the disciples being tortured, imprisoned and martyred. That's affliction. Am I making my point? <laughs> People are so quick to complain about even the slightest offense or a perceived offense, offense and smallest thing that they have to deal with. So many people of all ages in today's cultures do this and they don't seem to think they can stand up under any trial, tribulation, affliction, pain or persecution or even the smallest thing. But it's not true. We are stronger than we think we are. We are smarter than we give ourselves credit for. We don't have to believe the lies that the world and Satan tells us that we are so put upon and we can't stand up under things and that we're not strong enough to endure them. That's not true. We can be more faith-filled today than we were yesterday. We can be stronger today than we were yesterday and even stronger tomorrow, but we have to seek the Lord for all of it. Psalm 73, 23 through 28 is a set of verses that I love because it shows us how we should react when we feel afflicted and when we're suffering. Whether that affliction comes from external sources as a result of our own sin or, or, or because we're being persecuted or because of something internal or because God is trying to mold and shape us. So think about it. When God molding and shaping us, maturing us, teaching us, it means he puts his hands all over us and all over our lives. Like the potter does a piece of clay to get it to become a beautiful vessel, you know, a vessel that will hold precious oils and foods and flowers and, and be uh, something that is definitely shaped and made by God. That's what he does to us. Well, this makes me go back to one of the the pod quotes. It's the one by Charles Spurgeon that says, those who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. God always brings up something beauty uh, uh, of beauty out of ashes. He can always bring purpose out of pain and grow roses in the middle of manure. I mean, it's a fact. Yet when we feel afflicted or we see someone else who feels afflicted, it's difficult to remember these truths. That's why it's so important to return to the word of God and prayer in the middle of it all. Whether we think it's valid for someone else to feel afflicted or not, or someone tells us we shouldn't feel afflicted. If we do, we can still seek God for his help in the middle of it. Sadly, I think so many people today automatically think that if they endure some sort of hardship or even as some might put it, affliction, that their only recourse is to complain about it and that there will never be anything good come out of it. So they gripe, they get sarcastic, they spew hatred and attitude and seek commiseration with fellow complainers. And even though to others it might not seem like an affliction, such as the case 
with the girl on the serving line at the restaurant I went to because frankly, I didn't see her nearly $15 an hour wage for a teenager as an affliction, especially when her chief complaint was that she couldn't spoil herself more, but it doesn't matter. Those were her feelings, whether I agreed with her very narrow view of life or not. She was still feeling afflicted. And while I don't think I was in a position to be able to relay this truth to her in the moment that there are things we can do and that uh, there is a lesson in this for her about what true affliction is, that I was not the person nor the, the person in that space and timing to do that. She probably would have rebelled. It would have gone nowhere. Might've made the situation worse, but I still prayed for her. You see, there are things that we can do when we feel afflicted other than complain and make it everyone else's problems. First and foremost, we have to turn to the Lord for help to get through whatever it is we feel we're going through. Plain and simple, reach for the one who can get you through anything. And if you feel helpless to help someone else who is feeling afflicted, same thing. Reach for the one who can help them get through. So that's what brings me back to Psalm 73, 23 through 28, where it says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And in John fourteen twenty seven, it says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That would have been a great thing for me to be able to tell that gal at the restaurant. I don't know if it would have gone anywhere, but I still prayed for her because there wasn't anything else that I could do. And in the beginning, when I was praying for her, I didn't know what the affliction was. And then, of course, she let everyone in the restaurant know what her affliction was. And I didn't even see it as an affliction. But she did. So I prayed not just for God to lift that affliction and that feeling of affliction, but for God to mold and shape her into a child of God who would have discernment and understand that he is the way out of and the way through any affliction that we have, but also to understand what affliction truly is. Jesus tells us in that verse from John 14, 27, that he, he leaves his peace. He gives it to us and that we don't have to be troubled or afraid because he knew there would be times in our lives when we would indeed be afflicted, that we would be in pain in persistent persecution and have opposition. At the very least, we are in opposition to evil forces every single day as we try to, to do our best to stay on the road that Jesus calls us to be on. And as we fight the fight between good and evil, it's real. It's a very, very real fight. And he knew that we would need reminders that whether the affliction we feel is a consequence of our own bad choices or because we're immature and still learning or because others are trying to oppress and hurt us, that his word is here for us 
to read, to reach to, to take stock in, to believe, to embrace. It's up to us whether we choose to pick up the Bible and read it or not. It's up to each of us whether or not we stop and take the time to pray for someone behind the food line at a restaurant or whether or not we ignore the real and perceived affliction and hurt of the people around us. My hope and prayer is that we're not so caught up in our own lives that we're staying in some self-centered cocoon, believing that the world is only about us. Because, let's be real, sometimes we all act like the world is really only about us. We act like we're the only ones we have ever felt um, has any type of affliction or reason to feel oppressed, or or that we're the only ones that have hurt hurt in any way or have any pain, but it's just not true. It's just not true. We're not alone in that. And when we take the time to step outside ourselves, to open our eyes and our hearts to the world around us, and and most importantly, ask the Lord to show us what he wants us to see so that we can pray for whomever he wants us to pray for and be faithful in those prayers, it brings to us that kind of peace that passes understanding. Being a part of the healing that comes from offering up prayers for others is a part of maturing in Christ. Praying for others, even if that is the only thing that we can do, it is something. In fact, it's probably the most important thing we can do. When we we feel like we can't do anything, like I said earlier, we actually can because we can pray. And sometimes the only thing we should do is the most powerful thing we can do. And it's no small thing. And that's to pray for ourselves and for others. And through it, we are given the blessing of walking in peace, whether we agree with someone else's idea of affliction or not. I believe what it says in Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. And of course, I would be completely remiss and want to go back and re-record this if I didn't share with you one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It's a verse I memorized many years ago when I was fighting the very serious obsessive compulsive disorder I was truly afflicted with for so many years. This passage got me through some of the darkest, most frightening days I've ever had and sustained me until I was healed from the grip and the affliction of OCD, fear, and anxiety. Uh, Maybe you already know this scripture. It's from Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My hope and prayer for you today is that you will keep your ears, your eyes, your heart, and your discernment open and sharp. So when you encounter those who are afflicted in one way or another, that you will seek God as to how to pray for them and that you yourselves will remember what affliction is and what it is not. Just seeking the Lord's guidance on keeping peace in all situations and leaning on him for your strength rather than the things of the world. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of The Woman Inspired Podcast. Have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.